Last week, uh, the title of my message was, What's Stopping You? What's Stopping You? And so, but today's title of the message is, What's Stopping You Too? What's Stopping You Too? This is going to be kind of a part two. Uh, my team was making fun of me because they're like, is this a two or a two? I don't know what it is, you know. And, uh, but it is. It is a part two of, of this kind of this collection entitled, What's Stopping You? And so many of us, maybe we already been baptized. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you got baptized at Avenue. Maybe you got baptized uh, at a different church. And, uh, and so you were just excited last week. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus last week. Whatever uh, your next best step is, we always want to discover what that is. That is why we have Connect One Day taking place down there in the hallway. And uh, that we want to help you find and discover your next best step. How many know if we're not growing, we're dying, amen? And so I'm going to find your next best step. But for the rest of us, I want to ask you, what's stopping you too. If you got your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1 and uh, get your Bibles out. Get the uh, man, Bible app. I got the Logos app, Logos app as well. Uh, we also have paperbacks available for free on the sides. If you want one, grab one. But Mark chapter 1, it says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came out of the water, he saw the heaven, heaven splitting apart. Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. A voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. How many know God had, man, all of heaven was joyful last Sunday when 22 people got water baptized, right? There was, there was a joyous sound from heaven. And the next verse says this. But then one day, one day, boom, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them. He said, come, follow me. Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I think your word is it's living, it's active, it's powerful. The Father, I thank you for community today, Father. That God, I thank you, whether it's our first time or we call it Avenue Church home, that we can link arms with one another to encourage one another. The Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit today. And Father, I pray uh, that the Bible says that if we humble ourselves, you will exalt us in due time. So Father, I pray, humble the Lakers and LeBron, and may the Warriors be victorious. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen and amen. Amen. The greatest of all time is Jesus. Amen. And Michael Jordan. And so, um, I, uh, Pastor Lindsay and I, we, we have a, a son. His name is Levi. And he's 11 years old. And uh, Levi loves basketball. He, he's playing basketball right now. He loves football. He's an athlete. But he also likes um, video games. And so video games, I, when, when I, I was kind of a gamer. And I sold everything when I got married because I'm a smart man. Can I get an amen, everybody? Amen. Let's just let that soak in for a minute, right? I just, I just felt, right? You're feeling that, huh? You're feeling that over here, huh? Why is he red? And so, uh, so I sold everything. And, and uh, um, that's not Bible or nothing. But, uh, but now that my son's into gaming, we kind of leaned him slowly into it. You know what I mean? Like, we just, you know, just little bit by little. And, 
And, uh, and so now um, he, he has an Xbox and a Nintendo Switch. And so together we play a particular game. Uh, and uh, on this game, he's got keyboard and mouse, and I have the, the old school joystick, you know. And in this game, it is like 3D world. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're in it. And it's like people can be anywhere at once. It's, it's 3D, you know what I mean? Like a bad guy can be over here, over here. And Levi's just in it, and he kills it, and he does a great job. I, on the other hand, I miss like 2D Mario. How many know what I'm talking about? Like boop, 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 just one way, you know. Boing, boing, you know, like, like, like that's it. And so we get into this world. Lindsay gets dizzy. She's like, I can't, you know. And so we play together, and, and, and so we, we're in this lobby, and then from the lobby, we're in this bus, and this bus drops us. Like, we're supposed to jump out of a bus, and we glide down, and then it's mass destruction. It's chaos. And so for Levi, he's able to play this game really well, keyboard and mouse. And it's funny, because anytime I play with him, Dad, you want to do duels? I said, you got it, buddy. Let's do duels. And we'll play together in this video game, and it's like, it's like, I picture like a, 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 a middle-aged man, you know, like not my middle-aged yet, you know, like, give me 20 years, you know. And uh, I figure like, like a middle-aged man, like playing with a bunch of kids, and they're just destroying me. And, and so duels mean we're a team. In, in, in duels, and I apologize for doing a video game this morning. Some of you are like, what kind of church is this, right? What's up with the pants? I don't know. And so, but with this, we're playing a video game, and then Levi will go, follow me, and he'll just take off. But I'm like, okay, and he just, like, I don't know what he does. He gets into what he, what's called a rift or something, and, and just, like, he's in another side of the map. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking for guns and stuff, you know, like food. And I'm like, where are you? And all of a sudden, these, these mean kids come in and kill me. I'll be dead. And I go, Levi, I'm dead. And he goes, Dad, why didn't you follow me? I said, because I, I don't know how to, I didn't know where, where to go. And, and he goes, Dad, you're supposed to be where I am. So the title of my message today is what's stopping you too. And a lot of times I feel like kind of the tension is in the church. We say, follow Jesus. But most of us go, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start. I don't know what that looks like. And there's such a, 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 I want you to forgive me today because today is kind of what I call a seatbelt message. A lot of times as a pastor, I try to break down God's word and, and I say this is, what it, this is what it means. But a lot of times there's some seatbelt verses in the Bible where you got to buckle up and say, okay, I'm going to receive your word today, God. It can be challenging. It can be a little difficult. But I'm going to receive your word. Now to follow Jesus, is there's books on this. I mean, I can go weeks and weeks and weeks on this topic. But I just want to kind of start out practical today. And I want you to know to follow means to be where they are. So Levi said, follow me, right? Now, number one, he didn't really say that. He just kind of took off, right? Uh, but number two, I have to follow him. If I'm going to follow him or if I were to follow Jesus, I need to be where he is. I need to be where they are. Now, it's funny because this is like almost a little too elementary. But how many know Jesus came to take, 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 the, take to the, the difficult things and kind of simplify them for us? Well, look at all these commandments. Which one's the greatest one? Love the Lord your God. And love people. And so John chapter 12, Jesus says this, if anyone wants to serve me, must follow me. You must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Now this is kind of, I feel the tension sometimes. Because a lot of times we raise our hands, we give our life to Jesus, we get water baptized, whatever our next best step is. But then we say, okay, Jesus, I gave you my heart, now I need you to come 
be where I am. And I need you to do exactly, you know, I need you to fit in to my current status and into my, my current life. But Jesus said, you must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So to follow Jesus really means, I broke down the commentary, to take a lifelong journey following the Lord's footsteps. Honoring him with your actions, with your speech, and increasing in biblical wisdom. This is a lifelong journey. And you know what I love? I love this. Because he, although I've been in ministry for 21 years, but saved as a, a high schooler and, and, and I've known Jesus, it's still an ongoing journey with him. I'll never say, I figured it out. Got it all under control. I love that my relationship with Jesus is an ongoing uh, life, an ongoing journey, a lifelong journey of honoring him with my action, speech, and my biblical wisdom. So what, you know what this really means? Friends, this means to follow Jesus means to grow. It means to grow. It means we have to grow up. We need to grow up in spiritual maturity, but at the same hand, still have faith like a child. But to follow Jesus means to grow up. This is one of our burdens as a, as a church. Um, Pastor Lindsay and I, we're so burdensome by, man, we don't want just to, uh, you know, to work on your spiritual life. We want to work on your emotional and your mental and even your physical. And Pete Scazzaro is a pastor, and uh, he's wrote a whole curriculum, emotionally uh, healthy disciple, emotionally healthy spirituality. And he said, he, once he had an individual come to him, and this guy said, Pastor, I've been following Jesus for 22 years, but in reality, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I've been a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Because he didn't grow. He did the first step, took the next best step, but then he stayed there and repeated it every single year. So I'm going to ask you the question today, man, what happens when we follow Jesus? What's the big deal about following Jesus? And, and, and whether you call Avenue Church home for many, many years, this is your very first time. God wants everyone to follow Jesus. So here's what it means. Following Jesus means to be transformed by Jesus. Amen? That's a good word right there, huh? Let's, let's, let's package this up and get out of here, right? But to follow Jesus means to be totally transformed by Jesus. We see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Do not be conformed, but be transformed into a brand new person. But I want to ask you, if following Jesus means you're a new person or it means new life, then shouldn't things be different? Shouldn't life be a little different? Shouldn't life change? Should, should life, like sometimes I even feel the tension of like, shouldn't life be better? Like should I walk in life going like God is good all the time and, and you're like that meme of that dog sitting at the table and his entire house is burning down and you're like God is good, it's, everything's fine. But I want you to know this is a tension that I believe that if we're following Jesus, he's going to transform us into a new life, changing the way we think. I want you to continue reading Romans chapter 12. It says, do not copy the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I believe many of us, we walk into this world, and sometimes we kind of have our head down and we're just working, working, and, and doing what we're supposed to be doing or doing what we were told to do. 
And I think one moment we kind of wake up, lift our eyes and go, what is my purpose? What have I been called to do? What is God's will for my life? And, and, and man, there's many different elements to that. That could be a whole other collection of talks. But I want you to know it is God's will for you to be transformed. It is God's will for you to be transformed. Now remember, this is a buckle up. This is a seatbelt message. So I need some more feedback, everybody. Amen. All right. Now, this is an equal opportunity, church. You're going to talk as much as I talk. Amen. Yeah. But this, this is, it is God's will for us to be transformed. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, God's will is for you to be holy. It is God's will for you to be holy. So stay away from sexual sin. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Welcome to Avenue Church, everybody. Right? And it says, therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching but it's rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So what does this mean? This means that when we reject God, and I'm going to kind of sugarcoat it for us a little bit, right? If, I, if, I, if I'm rejecting God, it really means I'm not following Jesus. I'm not following him. I'm saying, God, I need you to be exactly what I need you to be. And God is saying, friends, I have so much more for your life. I want you to be transformed, and I want you to be holy. I want you to be holy because I want you to follow Jesus. But here's the thing, and don't advance the next slide, but I've seen a lot of times we, we, we pray and maybe we give our life to Jesus. And when we give our life to Jesus, we're going, okay, God, what's my calling? I mean, what I'm talking about, right? Like what's my unique and specific calling? Is it to be a worship leader? You know, come on, somebody, maybe, maybe, yeah. Is it, is it to be a preacher? You know, is my calling to go into this area? Is it to be an engineer? You know, is my, my calling to go to Africa? Is my calling to go to missions? Is my call? God, what is my, what is your unique plan for my life? Jeremiah 29, 11, for the plans you have for me, plans to prosper me, plans to give me a hope in the future. God, speak to me. And I got to tell you, that is a wonderful prayer to pray. Because he does have a plan for your life. But so many times we get distracted by God's secret will when we neglect God's plainly revealed will. We're saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And God's got to, you need to be holy first before you step into what I have for you next. Man, God, what's, what's, my, what's my will for my life? Man, I need you to follow me and be transformed by me. I've learned long ago that sometimes the right thing can, ha can come at the wrong time. And the wrong time is I'm not ready. I've seen marriages come, come, and marriages come and go, but sometimes it's the person's not ready, not ready to follow that next step. I want you to know that we get distracted by God's secret will, that we often neglect, number one, God's plainly revealed will. Buckle up, right, everybody? And it says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. It says, as obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, I want you to understand, I think sometimes the tension is, okay, pastor, you just said rules. 
You just said be obedient. But how many know when you follow Jesus, it's more about relationship than religion. Religion is a bunch of rules, but a relationship saying, God, thank you for the boundaries. Thank you for the guidelines. Thank you for your protection. How many can attest that because of purity and holiness has kept us out of a lot of trouble, everybody? But he says this, be holy be, be, just as he has called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. What does that mean? I'm going to walk out of here saying, I'm holy and you're not. Of course not. I want you to walk out of here saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to allow Jesus to transform who I am, transform my mind. And I want to be able to test and approve God's will for my life. Not my will, but God's will for my life. And I want to walk out of here saying, God's will is for me to be like for me to be like Jesus. So friends, what is stopping you from being like Jesus? What is stopping us from being like Jesus? I could say traffic. I could say that. But what is stopping us from being, I just got somebody right there, huh? I just got you, right? You're like, you know, people flick me off in traffic. I just go, you're number one, yeah. Lord. <laughs> and I joke around, but how many know what's stopping us from being like Jesus? Uh, Matthew chapter, uh, I love this, Matthew chapter 26. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He was baptized. Then he was uh, brought into the whole, by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. Then he lived this life with 12 disciples, had 12 friends that didn't listen to him all the time. He had one betray him, one deny him. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was to be betrayed, Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Holy Trinity, Jesus himself went a little further, bowed his face to the ground, praying, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. I don't like this very much. I know what's going to happen, and I know what's going to take place. So Jesus himself said, take this cup of suffering from me. I wonder if it was even more context. Like, listen, like, like I could just, like, on the cross, I could, like, come off the cross and be like, oh, you know, like, come on. And God's going, no, you got to die. And he says this, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. And so many times in this culture, in this society, and myself included, I got great plans for my life. I got great ideas for my life. How about, how about you? Anyone else, right? Like, come on, Lord. There's a great impact on YouTube right now. TikTok right now. There's a great impact on whatever it is. God, you know, if we did this, A, B, and C, and D, but every single day, I got to say, yet I want what you want, not what I want. I want my life to reflect your will, not my will. And so that is why following Jesus not only means to be transformed by Jesus, but following Jesus means to commit to do whatever God wants you to do. Right? That's a standing ovation right there, folks. Because it's hard. Because it's difficult. The following Jesus means to commit to do whatever God wants you to do. And I want you to notice this. If you've ever um, been a part of any church, this does not say following Jesus means to commit to do whatever your pastor wants you to do. 
I want you to do what God wants you to do. But that means we have to get on our knees and ask and pray and listen and say, Jesus, will you transform my life? Jesus, I'm going to do the best that I can do, but I want you to take it further. I want you to speak to me in my life. Speak to me in my life. In Jesus, Matthew chapter uh, 16, Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang to your life, if you try to hang on to your will, hang on to your plans, hang on to your decisions, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I love this because Jesus is saying, come on, give up your life because you know, uh, the Spark Notes version of this message, if you were to you know, look at the full outline, you would see that if you give up your life, God actually gives you a better life. A better life. But I think sometimes we kind of get into that tension of, does God really want me? Will God choose me? In John 15, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You can just raise your hand at the end of the message. I got you here. I, I spoke to you long before you stepped foot in Avenue Church. I spoke to you long before. I mean, I love our A-team. Every single person on our A-team, we didn't like go and recruit and say, you come with me. Every single person on the A-team, the Holy Spirit brought them. They brought us together. And so he didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go. God gave you a job to do. So what does this mean right here? It means to follow Jesus means you're already qualified. You're already qualified. Again, this is a whole other collection of talks right here, but Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Every single person in, in this room, you are God's masterpiece. I always joke around, the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully made, Pastor Lindsay was wonderfully made. Come on, somebody. As a baby, you're, oh my gosh. But he created us anew in Christ so we can <laughs> attend church. So we can pray a prayer and get what we want. No, it doesn't say that. It says so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're his masterpiece, but he's given you a job on this planet. You're his masterpiece, and he's given you a specific secret job on this planet, specific job on this planet, but the plain uh, uh, plan that he has for your life is to go there for and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So friends, I want to ask you today, if you are transformed by Jesus, if you're transformed by Jesus, sometimes I feel like i got to like hide this here, not yet, you know, like, if you're transformed by Jesus, if you're qualified because of Jesus, not because of you, then what's stopping us from doing whatever it is that God wants you to do? What is stopping you from doing whatever it is that God wants you to do? Now, I can go into so much. There's so much here um, where people say, God said. I'll be like, oh, really? Did he really say that? You know, where you got to pray and begin to ask mentors and people in your life. that you begin to share dreams and begin to share what God has given you. But a lot of times I think what really stops us is we just don't feel qualified. Even this week, I had a conversation with a, uh, with a good friend of mine. He doesn't, doesn't, go to, uh, he doesn't go to church. 
When he does, it's, a, it's his family's church. And uh, I just know him kind of sparingly. I see him every two weeks. Yeah, and uh, he's my barber. And I love, love having a conversation with him. Uh, even, what, two years ago, he asked me, I don't know any ministers. I want to get married. Will you officiate my wedding? I said, of course. And so I officiated his wedding. And he is married. they got two kids. And I asked him this week, I said, why don't you, can I ask you a personal question? And uh, he said, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 pastor, you know. And uh, I said, how come you don't go to church every week? And he was like, oh, I was like, I'm so sorry, you know. I feel like I can ask you that because you don't go to mine, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Some people get real offended by that. <laughs> well, I got you know. And he was like, oh. I was like, well, let me, let me take it a step further, though. How come you don't serve in your church? How come you don't like greet or, you know, or how come you don't like, do you read your Bible? Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, I read my Bible. I said, good, I'm going to give you some resources. I'm going to get, I have some books and some ideas for you. But how come you don't? And he said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. This is about 8 a.m. in the morning and not a lot of the other guys were there. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like every time I want to do something for, for God, every time I want to serve or get involved, he said this phrase, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. I feel like I'm a hypocrite. And I was going, my, man, you know God knows the desires of your heart? You know God knows exactly where you're at with him? He is thrilled when you step foot into church. He is thrilled. He is thrilled when you say, I don't know if you want me. But I can help, and I can make a difference. And so I just want to rebuke this statement, because this is a statement the enemy's been using. This is a statement I've said myself, the church is just full of hypocrites. Yes, we are full of hypocrites. We're all people trying to live this life the best we can, and sometimes we forget about following Jesus. I wish transformation can happen in a blink of an eye, but how many know transformation is a lifelong journey? And sometimes we screw up. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we say things we're not supposed to say. Sometimes we do things we're not supposed to do. But never does God say, you hypocrite. God says you're qualified. Come on. Come on. But what happens a lot of times is we go, I'm a hypocrite. I don't belong. Since it's Easter Sunday, I've had so many people come to, come to Avenue and say, the place has got burned out. I said, but did it? But a lot of times when we feel like we're a hypocrite, we stop going. And here's what happens, because when we feel hypocritical, shame begins to enter in our heart. And shame can cause people to feel trapped and powerless, sometimes leading to social withdrawal and isolation. It can shut us down or make us even more destructive. Friends, this, this goes so far beyond us. So far beyond us. Because number one, we need to feel like we're making a difference. and Because we, every single Sunday we're here, we're making a difference. 22 people got water baptized. 14 people gave their lives to Jesus. We're making a difference, friends. But also we're providing a place for people to come and find community. Just this week, the Surgeon General released a whole study. They surveyed over, what, 80,000 uh, individuals from 8 to 80. I don't know what 8 was, but 80,000 from 8 to 80. And he said he was calling for action because right now we have an epidemic of loneliness and isolation in our country. 
just this week. Many doctors said loneliness could lead to mental illnesses and physical ones too. And he, then he continued on to say, many of our kids, sometimes we go, I want to go to church today. Your children need to go to church. Our kids need community. And it says they, they're struggling with anxiety, depression, loneliness, and we're seeing rates of suicide increase in the decade prior to the pandemic. There was a 57% increase in the suicide rate in America. And then he continues on to say, the Surgeon General, he continues on to say, research shows that Americans who have become less engaged with worship houses, with church, with community organizations, and even their own family members in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. It matters when we show up. It matters when you show up. It matters when you walk through these doors after having a hell of a week. It matters when you're in God's house and God says, man, I'm so glad you're here. You are qualified. You are healed. You're redeemed. You're restored. I got a plan for your life. I'm going to pick you up, clean you up, but then I'm going to put you in community. And I didn't swear, by the way, all right? Some people in this room, huh? 11 a.m. would love it, okay? But I want you to know, perfection isn't needed. Obedience is. Perfection isn't needed. Obedience is. And friends, if we wait until we're perfect, then there will never be a perfect time. Woo, I hit somebody. I hit you, Joe. Yeah. Because if, we're, if, we're, if we wait until we're perfect, there will never be a perfect time. So friends, I want you to do me a favor. I want to get your phones out, get your pen and paper out. And I want you to, I double dog dare you to do the follow Jesus challenge. I'm going to challenge you because I'm a good pastor. But the follow Jesus challenge. The first one is in the follow Jesus challenge is I want you to know God more. Our, our, our whole vision at Avenue Church is for you to know God so that you can find freedom, so you can discover your purpose, so you can make an eternal difference. But I want you to know God more. And I want you to get into your word. But I want you to be creative with it, please. Be creative with it. Don't sit down tomorrow and be like Leviticus, you know, or, or you know what I mean, just open it up and go, I don't know what this is, and we give up. I want you to get creative with it. I want you to even ask your neighbor, you want to read the Bible together? Start in Matthew. Let's go all the way through, and then we'll go to the Old Testament. Ask your neighbor. Ask a friend. Get some accountability together. But I want you to read the Bible. Go to, low, uh, uh, go to Bible app and just pick a Bible reading plan. Do a Bible in a year or whatever it is. Pick a topic. Do seven days and work your way up more. I want you to get creative with the Bible. With the Bible. Can you go back up? I don't know why we're here. Go back up. Go back. Yeah. I, I want you to know about prayer. Just talk to God. Just have a conversation with him. I want you to sit down in the mornings and, and you wrap my permission. Complain a little bit. Lord, did you know... God, did you? I want you to ask him for things. I want you to pray those big prayers. I want you to ask God. Ask him to speak to you. By double dog dare you, say, God, what's your will for my life? What is your plan for my life? And some of you will love it, and some of us will hate it, right? It'll be like, I don't want to. Because the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to do. But here's what happens when we pray and read the Bible. A little bit lower, team. Here's what happens. They did a study. 
over 40,000 Americans from 8 to 80. So I got my stats wrong, all right? So from 40,000 40, Americans from 8 to 80, said they, if you read the Bible at least four times a week, not one time a week, they found out not two times a week, not even three times a week. But if you read your Bible four times a week, you're 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Why? Because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us. And he's, the, the, in the beginning was the word, the word was God. But 74% less likely to gamble. Isn't that interesting? To gamble. 59% less likely to view pornography. Four times a week. But also they begin to realize the positive side of things. If you read the Bible just four times a week, 407% are more likely to memorize scripture. Uh, 228% more likely to share their faith with others. Wow. And then 2,231% more likely to disciple others. You know why? You go, you go, you just asked me a question and funny enough, I just read that in my Bible this morning. You know, I, I think I have an answer for that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So I want you to know God more. Number two, I want you to obey God more. I want you to obey God more. I want you to be holy and to live his way. I've been praying this prayer for a long time. For a long time. That I want to do what God has called us to do. You know, I uh, kind of made a joke. Uh, one Sunday we had a big event. And in the lobby, uh, Rich and I, Rich serves at the 11 a.m., Rich and I were putting together carts, uh, putting away carts um, because we're a portable church. We rent this building. All of our stuff goes over here in storage. And our two kids were waiting for us. It was just a longer than usual day. And we're putting carts away. And Levi's like, can we go? Can we go yet? I go, hey, buddy, um, we're almost done. But man, I'll get you some pizza or something on the way home. And he's like, cool, but can you hurry, Dad? And I go, yeah, I'll hurry. <laughs> and so I go with Rich. And outside, I tell Rich, I go, Rich, I think that they think we like this. <laughs> like, like, so, like some big church called us and said, you want a building? And I said, nah, <laughs> I like being portable. <laughs> I like this. I don't like it, but let his will be done, yeah. not my will be done. It's like, man, we gotta obey God. And for some of us, the most, most obedient thing we can do is to abstain. One of the most obedient things we can do, we say, ah, I'm a, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Get your hands off me. Put a ring on it, whatever it is. Some of the most obedient things we can do is to guide our eyes, guard our hearts, but to obey God more. Number three is, is to join Connect One Day. And I put this down because Connect One Day is, in a, is a tangible way to serve. It's a tangible way, <clears throat> what was that? A tangible way to get a part, to be a part of our team. Is it a tangible way to say, how can I just start? Because you are not a hypocrite and you are more than qualified to make a difference at this church, to make a difference at this church. And Jesus, in Mark chapter one, and Connect One Day happens right after the service, right there. All right, it's going to be right down the hallway. Take a ride. We got snacks in there. 
If you got kids, they can stay in those kids' rooms in Jesus' name, you know. But Jesus said, come follow me, and I'll show you. I'll show you how to make a difference. I'll show you how to leave an impact in the city. He said, come follow me. And immediately, they left their nets at once. They didn't say, whoa, 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 okay. Um, Who's the next connect one day? Because I got plans today. What, can I challenge you today? Seatbelt verse today, right? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I got, I got whatever happening. Can I just say there's such an urgency in my heart, especially seeing the article this week. To say, man, what is stopping us? But really, I want to ask you, what is stopping our church? What is stopping our church from, from making an impact in this city? What is stopping our church from, man, loving our community? What's stopping us from saying enough is enough? I have decided to follow Jesus. No shame, no condemnation, but I have decided to follow Jesus. I made some mistakes, here they are, but Jesus took them, healed them, restored them, and I am a new person in Christ Jesus. Here's the last point. I want you to stand with me, please, on this last point, if that's okay. I'm doing, I'm doing really good on time, huh? This is amazing. In just a moment, I want our worship team to sing that song again. All my life, you've been so faithful. You've been so good. But before I do, to follow Jesus means to be transformed by Jesus. <laughs> to follow Jesus means to, to live like him, to be like him. To follow Jesus means I'm going to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. And I want to leave room for that this morning, for you just to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to do? Do you want me to go to Connect one day? Do you want me to serve at this church? Do you want me to go start this? Do you want me to develop that? Whatever the case is, whatever it is. Remember, it's not what your pastor wants, what God wants for your life. But here's the last point. Following Jesus leads to a life of blessing and miracles. It leads to a life of blessing and miracles. Mark chapter 10, Peter spoke up. Peter said, Jesus, I have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mothers, father, children, or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Not just there, but also here. You'll get brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. He slips that in there. And to the age to come of eternal life. But the many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment? Go ahead, worship team. Go ahead, Abby. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do today? What is it you want me to do today? So my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I will see of the goodness of God. 
Stopping us from trusting Jesus. But what do we have to lose in giving him our life? Man, what do we have to lose in trusting him with all of our heart, leaning on our own understanding? But man, I want to pray with you real quick this morning as we dismiss. I want to be extremely honest with you, man. What's stopping our church? Man, we could truly make a powerful eternal impact in Sin City. But it always begins with the one. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready to go to Connect One. I'm ready to serve. Maybe you went to Connect One day and, and you're not serving just yet. And you're ready to say, man, I was fighting with all the, you know, feeling like a hypocrite, feeling unqualified. I want to serve. I want to make a difference. You can do it in this building. You can do it outside this building. We have many options for you. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want that new life. You know what's interesting is when we try to live our own will, it can go good for a little bit, but then sometimes it all just falls apart. Because I'm not Jesus and I'm not God. God has a unique plan for your life. My prayer is that plan begins today. When you raise a hand, say, Jesus, I want to be new. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Repent of my sins. If that's you today, we just raise a hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't single you out. But just raise a hand for me and keep it up for just a moment. Yep, one, two, anyone else? Three, I see it. Three hands, four hands, five hands, five hands. Anyone else? Six hands, seven hands. Anyone else? Seven hands. Seven hands, eight, eight, eight hands. That's awesome. We got some half hands too, so I'm trying to get the half hands here, all right? And we're so proud of you because all of heaven rejoices when one person gives their life to Jesus. So let's pray a prayer together. 
and let's make a difference together. Dear Jesus, I want everyone to raise your voice, say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for paying for what I did. I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I know how, I'm gonna live for you. Say, the best way I know how, I'm gonna follow you because I now know who I am. I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody, give God a shout today.